Hey, welcome back to the One Link Podcast. This is James, and we are jumping back in with our episode with David on how do you build a sending culture in your campus ministry? Really, maybe the question is, how does God build one, and then how do we go about cooperating with Him there? So David just got done sharing in our last episode about really the value and the intentionality that he puts on building partnerships. And I definitely encourage you to go back and listen to that. And we had just ended up, he had talked about the fun and joys he gets from going over and seeing seeing his partners, meeting their kids, and introducing them to the wonderful world of peeps and other cool things like that. So let's jump back in with him as he shares some more on how God has shaped and built things and built his ministry in a way that he probably couldn't have planned and in a way that led over 60 people, that's two a year, to commit to at least a two-year term to missions, which is just phenomenal. Here we go. What about in terms of, so you, you form these really good, long, deep partnerships. How do you work on, how did you build it, or how, how did God build it? Nice, better question. But how did you build it where you're connecting your current students to them, or how do you keep this, like, because every four years you're basically starting from scratch with, you know, you only have them, you have them for this window. How do you keep this perpetual thing of, of missions? This is what we do. How do you, how do you build that so that that becomes a, a DNA, a commonality in your ministry? Yeah. And, and to some degree that might be a slight misnomer because you'd mm-hmm. only have them for a year, but, but it's every year. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's year after year after year after year. So you have, I mean, think about it. Okay, think about this. Tomorrow night at our worship thing, okay, as part of our program, we'll show our first recap video of summer of a summer team, mm-hmm. East Asia. We'll do all five of them in the next six weeks. Think about those fresh mm-hmm. that are that are going to and and other new students that are going to be at our event. They're going to hear hear about it for the first time. Well, they've heard about it a lot because we t- did talk about the journeyman thing, but right, they're going to that's going to be the first time they see people on the screen that they know. It's like, oh, you you went to East Asia? Oh, why don't you know that kind of thing? So every year, every freshman class gets introduced, and we, I mean, we do lists, etc. But our students and that just the the natural overflow of their lives, talking about their summers, is probably the the most healthy, influential means of recruiting candidates for future teams. I mean, it's just natural. So it's not really every four years. It's every year. Because every freshman class kind of catches on. A few of them will go to Project Impact or be on our New Mexico team uh, by, the, by their sophomore year. That there's the there's at least the possibility they could serve on an overseas team. We do strongly we we strongly propose to our students that it is feasible. It is feasible to spend every summer of their college life on mission, mm-hmm. regardless of what internships may demand, regardless of what parents may think, regardless of anything. Mm-hmm. We really do. And and the, in reality, I mean, that student that went to Project this last summer, they serve overseas this coming summer. 
And when they do it again, and they're a team leader their last summer or maybe even their second summer, and that is a rich experience level that we have to lead those teams. Mm-hmm. So we need repetition. We need it desperately. Yeah. So how do you push back against the pushback of internships and parents? And For one, we really do want to honor that. We really see the value of that. We understand we're, we're primarily an engineering university. I mean, we are known as, as a top 10 in our, you know, engineering university in America. Okay. And so uh, that's, that's going to happen. We realize that. So we're going to affirm it. We're going to always tell us to, hey, we'll, we'll cheer you on. Whatever you thought God would have you do, you bet we'll cheer you on. But I want you to consider this. And hey, we have stories. This, this journeyman reunion we just did, we have stories. How many of them ruined their life mm. by going overseas for two years right after college? Yeah. Zero. Zero. And in fact, one of our former students who, went, who did summer projects, uh, I think all, at least for three years, and then went to North Africa for two years after college and came back and she was an engineer and she, and, and her, her story is the, the anxiousness, am I going to be qualified? Our prospective employers going to look at my resume and say, and you haven't done anything in two years. She would tell you today that the most appealing thing on her resume when she started to apply was that she spent two years overseas. It wasn't her GPA. It wasn't her degree. It was that they're looking at someone who can, who can do it. Yeah. Who did something yeah. different or tried something new. Right. Yeah. And I just think, wow, that, and so we, we share that story. We, we do. I uh, just, one of our guys that lives in Minnesota now, and he was in it and he thought the same thing, man. He ended up in former Soviet Republic know for two years and came back you know he's actually living a really normal healthy prosperous life with got married you know and the other side of that too james hey he married someone who was in his O class ah yeah well i will i will affirm as will brad that uh meeting your spouse in either fpo or overseas is like the best place best place to meet yeah so I, we want to be sensitive to that. We really do because we understand. Mm-hmm. But we also want to just encourage them to think that, okay, when you graduate, your summers are gone. They're gone. Even if you decide to be a school teacher, because if you're married, your husband's or your wife's summer isn't available. Your, your summers are gone. As soon as you graduate, use them. Take it. Take advantage of it. Be adventurous. Use them. You won't regret it. Will it be hard? Yeah. Will it be challenging? Oh, there's all these things. So we try to cast that vision. And again, within a culture of watching other people do it, it's a little bit easier for that engineering student to think, "Okay, I'm going to do this." Now, you ask the question: Where's their biggest pushback? It may be their professor who's telling them, if you don't do this, you'll never get a job. But it's probably their parents. Yeah. Right? And, and I, I feel that. I feel that, hey, one of my sons is an engineer, and he went overseas every summer. 
I feel that. I mean, he was nervous when he got back and started to apply for jobs with no engineering experience. So I, I feel that for the parents. Mm-hmm. Years and years ago, again, I, forgive me for not having dates. That's okay. It was when two of our kids were going overseas, and of our Aprils and my kids were going overseas. It was the spring semester. I got home one day, came in to the house, and April was home, sitting on the couch, and she was crying. Hmm. I wondered what in the world's going on. I, I couldn't imagine what was going on. You know, something, something horrible. And as I walked in and I asked her if she was okay, she looked up at me with tears in her eyes and she said, do you realize how many mothers you made miserable? And she was talking about missing Leah and Micah. I mean, here she is. She's the wife of the director. We've been doing this for years. She, she's been overseas with us as a family. We, she, she's not opposed to the idea, but she's aching in her heart. She can't imagine missing her two oldest children for two full months. I mean, I, I, we had already begun to do some parent investment, but that launched us into being really sensitive to that. And I tell that story every spring where we invite all the parents of our summer missionaries to come to Las Cruces for a parent lunch. We just invite them. We just tell them what we're doing. We want them to come. We ask our students to encourage them to come if they can. I mean, we realize not everybody can, but but the vast majority, 90% of the parents come every year. And we simply have a room full, having a lunch, we're telling a few stories, and I tell that story and tell them, hey, we are not taking lightly the cost that you're feeling with your son or daughter spending the summer overseas or in Denver. We're not taking that lightly. We, we, we agonize with you, but we also have stories to tell, and we We've seen stories of how God has worked in families. Way back in the 90s, one of our students, it went, her parents were absolutely opposed. Absolutely opposed. I mean, again, you could, I mean, yeah. China, China yeah. in the 90s, no phones. No, I mean, just, you know, she went, obviously did okay, came back, went to the next song, okay? Her mom was a banker. From Eastern New Mexico. A couple years later, one of our students, another girl, was thinking about going to North Africa. And her mom was a banker. Hmm. Well, those two banker moms just happened to be at a banker's conference in Eastern New Mexico somewhere. And they just didn't know each other. They just happened to sit at the same table during one of the banquets. And the, the, Mom, whose daughter was about to go, spoke up kind of just out of aggravation, expressed what was going on. And the mom of the first student spoke up and said, hey, our daughter did that. 
we didn't like the idea at all, but it turned out to be really good. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the hand of God. That second daughter ended up one journey to. Mm. So anyway, it's just, I can resonate with them. I have my own sons and daughter who have done this. I know it doesn't make it easy. So we, we invite them to a parent lunch. We ask, get, let them ask questions. We really try to be learners. We understand that some of them really don't trust us. Not all of them are believers. But even those who are believers don't like what's going on. That Right? And we, we agonize with our students who's in the middle, trying to, trying to advocate for what God's telling them to do, and yet trying to respect and honor their parents. Man, that's a, so we talk about it. Our spring semester deals with that. And then they go, and when we come back, then we have our debriefing retreat. It's typically that weekend right after Labor Day. So it's a couple months after they've gotten back, and those same parents come to the debrief. We ask them to mm. come to the Saturday morning session of that debrief retreat, and it's fair game. It's open season. Uh, whatever aggravations or questions or difficulties or joys or whatever, we really we tell them we want to hear. It was a little uncomfortable last Saturday. I mean, not not in a disrespectful way at all, but we had this summer we had couple of situations where students got really sick okay they were really sick not hospitalization sick just food sick you know water wow. sick you know what i'm feeling just mm-hmm. sick all the time the irony of both of those students both of their moms are nurses hmm. it is how you know with the amount of people that you guys have sent i know you've, you've had to have had some bad experiences to your students that had bad experiences or accidents or like how have you how have you dealt with that? Okay, the backdrop of that, James, is that we are confidently partnering only with IMB field teams, hmm. or because we know the IMB and the IMB embraces us. Hmm. Okay, they do. Mm-hmm. They know our students by name in their system. They know who we are. If there's a need for evacuation, if there's a need for medical attention, that, that's not some weird thing going on. Okay, so that's that's a huge one. We try to communicate that to families and to students early on before they ever go. So that's a, that's a huge one. Uh, because, yeah, we've had students in the hospital. We've had accidents. We've had sicknesses. And, and it's not easy, you know, as, as you know, uh, we learned this from one link. We try to wisely limit how much contact students have with home. They're limited. You know, it's one 20 minute call every two weeks and it's only one call. If they have, have a split family situation. They got to deal with that. It's hard. It's not, it's not friendly in some ways. You know, they don't have ready access to mom and dad, or mom and dad don't have ready access to them. Mm-hmm. But if something happens, like in this case, this summer, the sickness, or if there's an accident, 
whatever it might be, we, we, I personally call the parents and tell them everything I know. And then I give that student permission to have uh, immediate contact with, with parents, with the team leader's supervision awareness. So it's not too yeah. much, but yeah. there's a premium there. So we, we do. And, you know, obviously there's some medical expense stuff that has to come up. Has, you know, we're always doing the supplemental insurance mm-hmm. stuff that they do. And so we try to explain that. Uh, one question that one of the parents asked this week, and I think we're probably going to do this. Uh, one of the group, one of the students that, that had, or parents that had a student that got, was sick, got okay, finished the summer well, but, but when she got back here, she got sick again. And it was, it was a residual thing. It was a, some bug that she got over there. So she said, why not extend the supplemental insurance a week or so after they get back? Hmm. Not a bad idea. Yeah. It's, it's, it's relatively affordable. Mm-hmm. And that would have helped save them deductibles, you know? So that kind of stuff. What about, this is kind of a twofold question, because like now you've been in it 30 years. So you have a, you have a lot of history and momentum. If part of it is like, well, how, how did COVID affect you? But the bigger question or the framework is like, what if all of a sudden God, God's like, by the way, David, I'm sending you to Idaho. You're going to go to this new campus. You don't know any, like, how would you begin developing a heart for the nation in that campus? You know, again, I don't know that it's the wisest thing to go into a place with a master plan. Hmm. I mean, I can't speak. This this is literally my only ministry. I I served on a church staff while I was in seminary in Dallas. That was a wonderful blessing to me. They were very gracious, and I was very incompetent, <laughs> genuinely so. Mm-hmm. But since I got here, I've I've never had to go anywhere else and start anything again. So I I don't I'm not an expert on that, James. I'm I don't I don't know. We have sent people out who have started ministries, but I would say I just think one of the one of the lessons that I've learned over the years is it's not a master plan. There's some there's some foundational DNA that needs to be deeply ingrained in your ministry, and I think that's how you start is through one-on-one disciple making. Yeah, and, and definitely some one-on-one evangelism training to, to just, there's got to be those things. I do think that someone on a new campus would, if, if they were able to, I'm not, I'm not sure everybody's able to a certain where they are, but if they are able to embrace a field partner, an overseas field partner. And even if it was just a one-time vision trip, raise up the money, find the money somehow, and go to the field, I think that would help change their perspective. It would develop a little bit of an initial relationship with the field, and it would give them a little bit of credibility back home as they began to raise up students to go and be able to talk to so I do think that the director or the staff having a little bit of overseas experience, even if and I t- this is the irony, I tell 
I tell these students, you know, once you've served overseas for one summer, you have more experience overseas than I. I, I mean, it, it, I, I go on, I go on partnership trips, and those take a couple of weeks, so you can add all those up. But that's not the point. I, I'm not on a I'm not on a mission trip. They have more experience than I do. Our family went the summer of 06, or yeah, I was picked to Blue City. That was it. Okay, and that interesting. I I don't have I, I'm not I'm not the experienced one. But I think it's good for the director to have gone to the field. You know, ask someone, hey, who's someone I could partner with? Who's someone that would want someone like me? Mm. You know, that's that's kind of what One Link helped me to do. You know, with the Nugents mm-hmm. and the IMB. So, I feel like in my observations in this job, it seems as though if if the college minister has a heart for the nations, then it really doesn't matter what campus, junior college, like it just really does not matter. Like they will find a way to send in some form or capacity. But if they don't, it doesn't really matter what I do or what we do. And so then that begs the question, how do you help campus ministers get a heart for the nations? Yeah. And it sounds like one of them is go, like get a chance to go there. There's some of the, some of the organic resistance isn't even seen as resistance is that they're in favor of missions. I mean, they're in favor of missions. They're not against missions. And so they'll talk about that kind of generically. But maybe not. Specific. That's why I say, man, Jeff Lewis really helped me mm-hmm. to see the biblical foundation for God's heart for the nations, not just for missions. Yeah. So I think some of it's theological. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's biblical awareness. And it, yeah, a lot of times it's that experiential part that ignites it, you know, it gets some thinking nations. Yeah, I I don't know. I mean I I think it's great that, you know, I mean, I know that one link used to do this way back in the day, and I know you guys still do is you do vision trips. You take people with you. And if they'll they'll go, you know, I mean, or that's again like what I said, it's a faith journey because they have to find the money be able to afford to go. You know, it's expensive. But to go with someone who's been before, that's a that helps. That's a real oh it's amazing. It's amazing. And especially if where you're going, it's with it's with a field team that understands the dynamic of your visiting team. They understand that there's one or two in that group that are enthusiastic but they don't understand. And flipping back to our broader question, one of the one of the most incredible influences on our ministry for mobilizing students to go for the sub or a semester is our field. It is. I mean, when we in, in our covenant with our covenant with them, we we expect that they're going to really invest. They're going to really pay attention. They're going to challenge them. They're going to be aware of how they're doing. We need that. Uh, we don't want them to just get there and then never see their 
partners until they they get on the airplane, right? So yeah, I mean that's a powerful thing to have the field missionary invest in the team and just know them, just to even have co- casual conversation and maybe maybe at the end of the summer, toward the middle of the summer, pull pull one aside and say, you know, I think you could do this again. Mm-hmm. I think if you come back next year, man, I would be excited to see what kind of impact you could have. That That's so powerful. Not to mention when that SEAL member says that to someone and says, I think you do this for two years. I, that may not be on your radar, but I've watched you. I said, I, I think you could do this. I would, I would bet of the 60 journeymen that we've sent, I'll bet you easily three-fourths of them were influenced by that kind of a conversation. Easily. And especially, okay, now back up, especially if that field team is your alums. Mm-hmm. If, if your partners are NMSU alums, if the journeymen on the field are NMSU oh my goodness. I mean, that the students get turned for like they're at home. They heard about these people. They know these people. They, they talk about professors. They, right? I yeah. mean, that's full yeah. power. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. You told me one time that one of the difficulties is when you get to the point where you can't support all your alums. I don't know how you begin parsing that out, but that's a good problem to have. I would. If they would just listen to me. They would all go to our partner cities. Then we ah, would be there good. you go. And then that'd be good. That's right. That's right. I mean, I'd probably have to do some negotiating with the IMB to get that to happen. No, yeah, that's that's a that's a delightful dilemma. It is. It's a delightful dilemma to have someone come up and and say, I feel like I feel like God's called me to join their procreator. And, you know, in reality, maybe not even have an open slot in one of our partner cities because that team roster is full. And so they go to all these different places. The heartache of that is that I typically don't get to see them when I'm on my partnership tour. Uh, mm-hmm. and I don't get to go to their city. That's so hard. Sometimes I can if it fits, but most of the time it doesn't. So that's so hard. So, so really... The only connection we have with them for that two years is what what other people generally would have is their their newsletter, an occasional text, occasional phone call, you know that kind of thing. We we don't have that organic connection with their field team. That that's hard, but at the same time, God uses them in profound ways, you know. And some of those have been called back to the field to different places other than our partnerships too. So praise the Lord for that. It, it, but it is that is a dilemma in some ways because we would like to be able to support them in the same way we do our partner field teams, but logistically it's not it's not feasible. I understand. Well, it's a much better much better problem to have than that you don't know anybody overseas and no yeah. alums overseas. And, and you know, I mean, a question that hasn't been asked but should be here is. What causes partnerships to end? Hmm. Right. I mean, we're we're not still in. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So what part? And it's it's a variety of things, but <clears throat> whatever that may be, 
it opens up an opportunity. Okay, first of all, our commitment, Lord willing, as we are able to follow through, our commitment is to our partners, not to a people group. Okay? If God moves our partners, we move with them. Okay? As hard as that is to leave a, a favorite city. Okay? But if our partners move, we move with them. If they move again, we move with them. But if they move to a location or an assignment that isn't commensurate to the kind of partnership we need, focusing on university students, or their role doesn't suit that, then we gladly, graciously celebrate what God did during those years as partners, and we move on to another partnership. Often, where do we get our other partnerships? To our alums. They're on the field in another city that we haven't been able to partner with because we can't partner with all of them. Mm-hmm. So that 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 opens a door yeah. in, in two beautiful ways. Yeah, that's true. What other question have I not asked that I should? I don't know. I just thought of that. <laughs> I mean, and you know, you didn't ask this. You should have. Here's another that is, and I've and I've told you this. I've told Brad this. I've certainly told Brooks this. We, we're where we are, in a lot to large extent because of international. Well, I mean, that was a camaraderie of directors that I loved, that I needed, that I thrived in. And so many good things came out of that in addition to strategies for getting partnerships going and reaching the nations. But yeah, that that's at the fight. I mentioned Jeff Lewis, I mentioned Lisa, but but at that same time back in the early nineties, that's when one it was getting going. Right, that's when it was just getting off the ground. I mean, I mean, has, have they told you what some of our early orientations looked like? They have a little it, bit. The beauty of it is, say, you learn every year, change, and you adjust. Right? I mean, we and it's become so refined, you know. But even then, every year you make adjustments. Adjustments. Yeah. So do we in the wilderness, you know. So, but if it hadn't been for that cohort of directors mm-hmm. and the support, the the adoption of NMSU into that network, we wouldn't be, no way. And so, yeah, serving on the board for all those years and getting a chance to just be around uh, a week all every year and all that, having our students do that. I mean, that that's, I, that's kind of goes unsaid, but it needs to be said here is apart from that, we, we would not have figured anything. We wouldn't have figured anything. I appreciate all your time today. Always enjoy it when I visit with you and always pick up pick up some good jewels of wisdom. And so Well thanks, man. You're welcome.